Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. A frequent guest on our program is back with us, and that is the Honorable Elaine Marshall, who's uh, serving as the North Carolina Secretary of State, a uh, position she's been in. First, she was elected in 1996. And um, so uh, welcome to the program again. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be back. Well, uh, let's let, uh, just as a refresher course for those who may be listening for the first time uh, or, or not quite as uh, up to date on things that are happening in North Carolina, maybe newcomers and so forth, let's talk about the Secretary of State's office and, and what are your primary duties? Well, I'm delighted to be the Secretary of State and explain this because Secretary of State's offices from state to state are very different. So what somebody learned in Pennsylvania may not be what happens here. Uh, But the North Carolina Secretary of State's responsibility is to promote economic growth and to protect the public from financial harm. Uh, We're the heartbeat of business. We're business infrastructure. Uh, I jokingly say we're the maternity ward for business because corporations and LLCs and all are filed there. Uh, Our main focus is to facilitate capital formation to support businesses. And then we protect the public from scams and crooks in a few narrow areas related to to businesses. I don't have the breadth of all law enforcement, but uh, do have specific law enforcement. And your office is one of the first ones that uh, hears about scams and such. That that is correct. That is correct. So um, when you you first were elected to this office back in 1996, uh, what was the biggest surprise you had? I'm I'm just sort of getting away from our typical conversation here. When you came into the office and you, you run for the office and you thought you knew all about it, and did you? Well, no, (laughs) no. Uh, I'd practiced in a lot of the areas that the Secretary of State does, and I'd been in the State Senate. But one of the biggest learning curves was uh, learning how to manage a state budget from the administration's point rather than from the appropriator's point like the the General Assembly does. The other was that the morale at the office was just very low. Uh, We didn't have enough things to to make the office efficient. Uh, There had been a... uh, uh, a lot of negative press regarding uh, some things that went on uh, six months to a year, two years before uh, my election, and there had to be a lot of cleanup work done for that, and the first was with the employees. Um, they didn't understand why what they did was important to the economy. So we had to build a team from that. We had to stress customer service, but we also had to give them the tools, which was technology, uh, in order to serve the public better. Now, you mentioned technology. Of course, that's a, that's a battle we all face in everyone's not only personal life but also their business lives because uh, technology continues to improve. And we buy a new software system or a new computer, and uh, six months or a year later, it's uh, sort of out of date. So where are you as far as the being up to date with your technology? Well, I often describe uh, technology and security for technology as a race without a finish line. Because if you are trying to prevent scams and hackers and what have you, you've always got to try to stay one step ahead of them, and they're trying to stay one step ahead of you. Uh, We have our own software system that we developed in-house. Other states have used this on kind of a barter system. Uh, So I've got pretty tight control over uh, the system itself. Of course, we have to depend upon a lot of vendors and a lot of security folks. Uh, a lot of analytical software to figure out where we need to be looking, 
uh, for problems and then plug those holes. It's like the boy with the finger in the dike, uh, except there can be a lot of holes and sometimes you don't know they're there. The other aspect is employee training because um, while it's the outside attackers, they're trying to exploit our good people who may jump on an improper email and then bring some kind of malware on into uh, the office. So we do a lot of training on that. Well, it's always been sort of a battle to keep up with the changes in technology and with uh, those who are abusing it. Uh, do we currently have, do you think we our, our legislation is caught up? Is our agenda of laws now adequate to take care of all the problems that arise from this uh, dependence on the internet and I think the laws are okay it's the matter of how much money does the state invest in this type of activity uh, I'm separate and apart from basically from the state information technology securities because we have I believe stronger security uh, we, have, we have security that's comparable to what our banks have here in North Carolina the big ones and the little ones and um, um, that is not what the state would buy for other agencies. But then again, we have a lot of personal uh, information. We have a lot of uh, financial information, criminal invest investigation information. I should say we don't have that much financial information. But what we have, if somebody went in there and twisted it, would be a big problem. In the area of, uh, this is, uh, I guess, not exactly a scam, but we are all receiving all these robocalls with local numbers, and everybody is really upset it about it. It is maddening. It, it's yes. Terrible. Yes. Uh, it, it's just, uh, uh, so what are we going to do about that? Well, we're going to turn that over to the Attorney General and the feds. Um, you know, there's not authority in the Secretary of State's office over that type of, of activity. Uh, but you're right, it is maddening, and they're attempting to scam or attempting to sell uh, something. Um, you know, one day I got 20 calls in the same day and uh, from the same number coming to me, and I was able to get AT&T to stop that one. Uh, so there are some other remedies out there, but it's got to be pretty egregious, and then you got to be able to get to the right person to, to get it fixed. Well, it's just, uh, you know, it's an invasion of privacy because, uh, of course, there's a cost to receiving a call it's yeah. a very uh, at this point in time small but uh uh but uh that this is you, you look at a local number and you say is that somebody i know and and uh, right how are they getting those local numbers i'm not sure i don't know i i, I guess they can just you know sign up with the, te the phone yeah. companies yeah. and get them assigned to them or maybe it's not even that maybe just tech technology override of what's being said well i have not ever it. tried re uh, you know canceling it and, and returning and the call back. and see if it's a real live number it may not be a real live number i don't know jason may know more about that than i do but uh, but it is maddening and it's one of the things i'm, I'm sure that uh um, we had josh stein on the program a couple of weeks ago and he said that uh that they were working on it, along with, I mean, this is nationwide. This is, this is nationwide, yeah. yes. So uh, this is just sort of something that uh, is uh, something that needs to be attended to, and everybody is in favor of attending to it. So Clearly. There are not many things that everybody's in favor of right now. Well, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But Now, you've been in politics and in government for some time, and we uh, seem to be more partisan than we've ever been before as far as the uh, party politics and the divisiveness in both the uh, General Assembly and also the Congress. Uh, do you see that getting any better right now? Or is there a little bit more cooperation or a little less cooperation? Or is it about the same between the two parties? Maybe a hair better, yeah. but not 
not really clear to the public that it's better. What do we need to do to get that better? Because we redistricting. Yeah, you know, redistricting. Redistricting. Yeah. Well, we've we've talked about that a number of times on this program, and that uh, the fact that we basically didn't have many competitive races for the general assembly or for Congress, for that matter. And uh, that's where it all begins when there's a dialogue in the election. Right, because if you can pack a bunch of people together that you think are going to vote a certain way, then um, um, it's not competitive for the other party even to field a quality candidate. Uh, thank goodness for those who do step up and try to do something because we've had quality people to oppose. But uh, just the numbers are not there, and it's it's very difficult. So uh, um, it's a case where the electeds have picked their their voters rather than the voters are picking, picking the official. Well, we have all these terms of uh, double bunking and, and uh, packing and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, and of course, you know, uh, to their credit, the Democrats admitted they did it too. That's correct. And now the Republicans That's are correct. doing it. And so I think it's kind of interesting that, uh, that at least the, uh, uh, they agree on that. Both parties did it. <laughs> well, I think we will have some answer on some of this uh, before the month of June is over because the Supreme Court has a case from North Carolina pending, and uh, they will dump a lot of opinions at the end of session, which will end sometime towards the last week of June. So uh, stay tuned and and stay Keep tuned listening. to find out. And, of course, the congressional districts are probably going to be rejuggled anyway because we uh, chances are the, the next population, we're going to gain them. Yeah. You know, this is another problem we have to deal with in North Carolina. That's growth. Uh, how is the growth in North Carolina? We never, I think I looked up yesterday, it was 10,350,000 people or thereabout in the state of North Carolina. Uh, that's uh, uh, twice South Carolina. Uh, it's uh, one of the things that I was – sort of interested in looking up Wake and Mecklenburg counties, both Wake and Mecklenburg, not together but separate, are bigger than nine states, nine entire states. Yes, and those states have two votes in the United States Senate and uh, that cancel out, arguably, the two votes for North Carolina, and the people are very disproportionately represented. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but that was the founding fathers, and I'm not saying that was a bad no. system in the beginning. Uh, but it certainly, uh, with the population yeah. concentrations, it, it makes it a bit uh, interesting. You know, uh, we, we had the opportunity to travel to Alaska a couple of years ago, and you, you hear of Fairbanks and mm -hmm. Anchorage mm -hmm. and all these things, mm -hmm. and then you land in it and you realize it's about the size of Fayetteville. <laughs> I mean, it's not a big, it's not a big town. And that's got to be in the summertime because in the winter, a lot of those oh, folks go to Hawaii. <laughs> if they've got good sense, they do. It's, uh, uh, you know, the other I, – I, I've got just enough time not to ask a question. So, well, I do have time to ask a question. So I'll get back to more important thing instead of digressing. So uh, on, the, on the area of, uh, of uh, redistricting, how will that affect your office or will it affect uh, the things you do very much? It will not affect the office greatly. But you did talk about growth. I think the last time I was here, we were doing slightly under – averaging under 300 new business entities created a day. Right now we're up to 344 on average being created a day. Just in the last six months, we've seen that growth. So, so you're at 350 new businesses being chartered one way or the other, or I guess chartered is the right term. Yes, chartered uh, is the right term. Now, they can be nonprofits, but, or they can be LLCs or PLLCs yeah. or corporations, yeah. but they're a new business yeah. entity. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between those entities in our next segment, and we'll do that when we continue our conversation with the North Carolina Secretary of State, the Honorable Elaine Marshall, and we'll do that right after these messages. 
Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Oh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In the news, a small boy was rescued from abuse today by a magic trick. Witnesses say a bully had the boy pinned down. Scott was hitting Jimmy pretty hard, and I said somebody should do something. Moments later, a street magician arrived on the scene. Police reports state he covered the bully with his coat. What happened next is still under investigation. The bully turned into a bunch of kittens. The victim left the scene unharmed. Boy, you never see that happen. That's because it doesn't. If you see abuse or neglect, learn what you can do from American Humane at BeHumane.org. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with uh, the Honorable Elaine Marshall, who's the uh, North Carolina Secretary of State, a job that she was first elected to in 1996. And, you know, right at the end of the program, you mentioned all the different forms uh, that a company can have. Uh, let's let's go over those just so people kind of understand what an LLC is, what a sub-S corporation is, and the differences. Uh, North Carolina law, like a lot of states, gives uh, people who want to, to be entrepreneurs a lot of options. And I have to say that you don't have to form a business entity. If you want to be a person uh, and operate and even have a trade name, then you would be doing business as something. Uh, you can do that. But the preferred way for a lot of people is to either become a corporation or an LLC. The corporation is where you have uh, shareholders, although it may be a a small number. And uh, the big difference between a corporation and an LLC is that a corporation pays taxes, whereas an LLC is much like a corporation, but it has a simplified way of starting. It doesn't really have shareholders. It has members. And any profits or losses from the LLC flow through to the people individually so that it just becomes ordinary income to them rather than a double level of taxation uh, that can happen with a corporation. Now, the LLC world is full of alphabet soup. It can be a PLLC. That's a professional. Well, LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. And you can have a PLLC, which is a Professional Limited Liability Company. Then we have some other, I would say, obscure uh, combinations uh, that we don't have very many of, uh, but they're where like two LLCs own, can go together and create another one. It's a limited, limited <laughs> liability uh, company. But if generally a lawyer will advise some business people that that's what they need to do for whatever business purposes it might be. There are not very many of those. Um, the other thing that's registered with us, which a lot of people don't uh, really know, is an unincorporated business association. Uh, We've seen an uptick in those registrations lately, and it's mostly driven by banking laws. Uh, Nowadays, banks have to know their client, 
and it used to be uh, when you were growing up, your mama probably belonged to a book club and or a garden club, and they had a checking account at the bank, and everybody knew everybody, and it was all okay. But in this days of uh, attempting to uh, prevent money laundering and know your client, um, a book club can't go down there and open up a, a bank account just like they used to in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. So now they register as an unincorporated association of people, and then that allows them to have the appropriate documentation to present to the bank uh, to be able to open up that checking account. What now, it amounts to. now, another term I've heard uh, some lawyers in explaining the difference between a personal business, one that uh, is doing business as under mm-hmm. a personal name, and either a corporation or an LLC, is the actual fact is the, the law looks at these as a person. That's correct. Yeah. So, Corpor- corporation is a person. Yeah. And so uh, it does limit your liability as an individual in some cases. That's correct. And that's the LLC in its title is limited liability. Oh. And, and we're seeing th- that's where the growth is because previously a corporation, let's say they were a developer, they had project A, project B, project C, project D, and they were all in the same corporation. Nowadays, project A will be LLC A. Project B will be LLC B, and on and on yep. and on. They, they have single purposes. Sometimes developers will buy a piece of land, and once that land is sold, that's all they want to do with that yep. LLC. Well, it's, uh, it is an interesting maze, uh, and, and you have to learn all the alphabet uh, <laughs> that's uh, correct. to, to uh, understand it completely. But, uh, but North Carolina was sort of a leader in, in the development of the LSE. Isn't that correct? That's, Somebody, that's I correct. That. I was in the state Senate when it was created in the 93-94 session, and we just thought that we would have um, uh, the same number of – that people would just pick and choose rather than the LLCs being like spokes of a wheel and having so many of them. That was the big surprise. Uh, the fee for LLCs was set back in that 93-94 session, and it's never been changed, which has annoyed a lot of people uh, that have multiple LLCs. But there is a bill at the General Assembly, it is not yet passed, that would be the um, uh, that would bring down the LLC, but it would also take up the corporation uh, annual report uh, filing with us, but that's still a work in progress. We don't know where that's where that's going to land. Well, speaking of the legislature, they are in session. Are there other uh, pieces of legislation either proposed or legislation that you think might be proposed that will affect uh, your office and your duties? Well, that one is the biggest one. We're monitoring a couple others. You know, we regulate athlete agents, and the uniform law commissioners have come up with some modifications. And the NCAA is interested in some other things. That is a work in progress. Um, that's kind of the major other thing that we're. Well, that of course, uh, sports fans are very interested in that because uh, obviously there is a uh, certainly a gray area when it comes to uh, the major sports and on the college level, uh, especially yeah. basketball and football. A lot of third parties involved, shoe companies. Uh, would-be agents, agents. And, of course, some of these people are very legitimate and do a very legitimate function, right. and yet some are Rogue. up to no good. Yep, that's correct. To put it that way. Yep. Yep. So yep. How, how are you going about sort of sorting that out and protecting young men and their families? Because uh, many of them are not sophisticated. In fact, most people aren't sophisticated in business. Well, and particularly sports agencies, very different than a lot of other types of, of businesses. 
Uh, we, um, we work with the schools. Uh, we attempt to educate the young people to let them know what is permissible, what is not permissible. And by the way, the schools are in favor of what you're doing. I, I, yep. I appreciate yep. that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and um, we generally operate on complaints that come in from somebody else reporting because uh, we don't have the resources to be everywhere. You know, and most of our operations are complaint driven. And uh, so uh, we, we try to let all the parties know, hopefully the adults in the room know, um, you know, but unfortunately, sometimes there, there can be rogue people at the schools who also are turning a blind eye to this activity. So, um, you know, all they've got to do is read the newspapers that ultimately this may not turn out well for them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've heard of several coaches saying, you know, when they visit a home and an uncle comes in, uh, that's usually a, a, a bad flight. sign. That's usually a bad sign that, yeah. that yeah. when yeah. the mother and father are in there and then all of a sudden they introduce some people that are sometimes introduced as uncles, that that's a bad sign. When you have a, a person that shows a great deal of talent, there are a lot of uh, friends, artificial friends, who want to help out the family and uh, are mostly interested in getting into that young athlete's pocketbook and future earnings. And so um, they're not really good advisors. They don't. They just want to be a part of the action. And uh, uh, sometimes they're willing to take what you would call bribes to to participate. And you know the. Anyway, it's a sword sort of affairs. And, and uh, as we said, the the, uh, the colleges need all the help they can get because I think, uh, you know, the vast majority of coaches are trying to follow Trying the to do the right you thing. Know, yes, trying sir. Trying to do the mm-hmm. right thing. Uh, there are a few from time to time that stump their toe, but uh, for the most part, they're trying to do the right thing, and it is a battle. Well, uh, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about this recent uh, lottery winner, and Somebody said, you know, he's going to find out he's got a lot more relatives than he thought he had. Well, and, and, and that's a good comparison because uh, people come out of the woodwork uh, if they feel like you can help them yeah. um, in some way. And some of that's legitimate and some of that's it's cool. not. Yep. But I suspect that uh, a large list of charities was um, uh, at the beck and call of the uh, most recent uh, lottery winner. I'm sure. <laughs> I had lots of calls. Um so uh, one of the things we want to talk about, and in fact, let's do it right now, is you have oversight of lobbying because lobbying is uh, uh, one of the most misunderstood things in government. Lobbying is a good thing in most cases, but it can go afoul. And we have uh, put in a lot of laws in North Carolina and a lot of protection to be sure that it doesn't go afoul. But lobbyists usually serve a pretty valuable service. That's correct. Um, they're in a constitutionally protected occupation, and that is free speech and um, you know, not everybody can go down to the General Assembly themselves, uh, especially corporations and business interests. So they employ lobbyists to go down there and represent their interests. Um, those lobbyists provide good and valuable information. Uh, they assist with legislation. They do help write legislation. That's people consider that offensive and all, but that's you know they're they're trying to well, get well they're the, they're experts they're experts and, in that field yes and as long as you recognize the fact that they have a special interest it's uh, it's right. on the up and up yeah i mean they have a bias they yes. have a reason yeah. for uh, wanting to do something then the legislators need to figure out is that reason fair is it good for everybody concerned is it going to be good for the state of north carolina and their district uh, and be open-minded to listen to the other side because they're which is more, another lobbyist which is another lobbyist <laughs> yes what the lobbyists do with us, and this function has been with us for a long time, and then it got moved 
by that after uh, election uh, sessions that they had uh, following the election of 16, and the courts said, no, it's coming back. It needs to be in the executive branch, one of those separation of powers cases. So it's back with us. And what the law provides is that if you're a lobbyist, uh, you do have free speech, but if you spent money on that free speech, <laughs> you've got to report it. Uh, it also. And North Carolina is really tight on that because we call it a stick of gum law. <laughs> yeah, right, or a cup of coffee law. Yeah. Because yeah. um, lobbyists can't give gifts to legislators, lobbyists can't uh, give money to legislatures, they can't bundle. Uh, so um, we are the agency where qu- quarterly reports and annual reports are prepared uh, for what the lobbyists spend. Uh, I will tell you that what spending is going on uh, in connection with lobbying has exploded in the last four or five years. I don't exactly have the numbers with me, uh, but uh, the number of lobbyists has remained uh, pretty even over the last four or five years, but yet the amount of money that has been spent in lobbying has just gone, blown the rooftop off. In our next segment of Carolina Newsmakers, we're going to talk to uh, the Secretary of State about some recent scams and things that you're running into, because there's always something new going on in the scam world. Always is. Always, always is. is. It's always somebody. And I've also wondered how, some of these people are so smart, I wonder if they were legitimate, how much money they would make. I've, so, I've expressed the same thing. <laughs> we'll be back right after these messages with more of Carolina Newsmakers. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped. Childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Susie Orman here with a message from the FDIC. Recently, I got a letter from a woman who took all of her money out of the bank and put it in a shoebox. You know what I told her? Put it back in an FDIC member bank now. If you stay within coverage limits, you can't lose a penny. Go to myfdicinsurance.gov and click on Edie the Estimator to make sure your money is safe and sound. That's Edie at myfdicinsurance.gov. The more you know, the safer your money. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Elaine Marshall. She is the uh, uh, Secretary of State of North Carolina, an office that uh, Thad Ewer was in forever and ever. Over 50 years. 50 years. You think you'll make 50 years? I didn't start early enough, no, sir. (laughs) uh, How old was he when he started? uh, Well, his campaign slogan was, give a young man a chance. Yeah. Um, Which backfired he, on him, <laughs> and some politicians well, not, didn't totally backfire. People tried it against him, no. but he was successful <laughs> in, in defeating that challenge. He started in the 30s. He died in, uh, I think he left office in. Well, I'm not sure when he left no. office. Uh, and he also referred to himself as the oldest, oldest rat. rat in the barn. <laughs> yes. yes, oldest <laughs> rat in the Democratic barn. Yeah. 
funny story. Uh, I was in office about a month, and I got a beautifully scripted, so I figured it was someone who had penmanship, uh, which was an older person, uh, wanted me to really do something. They wanted me to stamp out the fact that people were calling him the oldest rat in the barn. And I had to write back, and I said, Ma'am, I heard it right out of his own lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he enjoyed that com- comment. Oh yes, he, he thoroughly enjoyed his job and the and uh, and was around for a long time and was a mentor to a lot of politicians. That's correct. Years, yeah. That's correct. Interesting guy. So you don't think you'll make fifty years in that office? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, another good. Another good question would be, well, why would somebody want to be in that office for 50 years? Because yeah, it was different back for his 50 yeah, years than right. than right now. Um, invest, we were going to talk about uh, a set of recent scams. There's always new scams, and, of course, some resurface and so forth. So what are some of the latest scams that you're running into? Well, there's always a Ponzi scheme out there. It's just wrapped up in a different package, and that's where something sounds too good to be true. And some people make money on it at first. That's right, because early investors do get some payouts because they then become part of the scheme because they go tell their people at church or whatever civic club they belong to that they found a good investment and it looks good on paper and they took some money out and it looks fine. But these things develop over many, many years and they use the money of new investors to pay what would be dividends to the prior investors. So and there's no business there. So if you're offered something, you need to do two things. Call us and find out, is this person registered? And is this thing that they're selling you registered? And if the answer to either one of them is no, then keep your money in your bank account or in the jar in the backyard, wherever you keep your money. Don't give it to this person because they are violating the law right there. Some of the newest stuff that we're seeing is Internet-based And uh, there's a a mystery and a fascination about cryptocurrency. Uh, And cryptocurrency, to me, is the latest uh, scam du jour. A lot of folks really need to know that cryptocurrency is not backed up by any government, whether it's Bitcoin, that's the most famous name, or there's hundreds of other names. Somebody can tonight develop a program and start getting money for this program as tender or currency it's not backed up by any government uh it doesn't exist you can't hold it in your hand you only hold it in a wallet on your computer and uh, a lot of folks are churning profits by uh, investment now if you want to use cryptocurrency which is you know bitcoin let's do that as an example because that one is the more famous and it hasn't had any problems except for valuation fluctuations if you want to give your kids allowance in in bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency we don't care if you want to pay your grocery bill in cryptocurrency we don't care but if it is sold to you as an investment all investments in north carolina have to be approved by somebody in every state in north carolina it's the secretary of state's office and so these things that are offered online if the product is not registered if the person is not selling it is registered then you you need to again keep your money we did a cease and desist order on two of these recently and the minute that cease and desist order hit the websites vanished whatever money people had put in had vanished and they had you know uh, videos up about meetings and testimonials from some people who had gotten this stuff and how much money they made and on and on and on and 
it, it just didn't exist at all. One of them was allegedly in the United Kingdom, and there was no anything at that address. We tried to serve the thing on them. The other one was in Dubai, and there really wasn't even any address with that one that we could you know, do any leads on. Uh, but um, this is very risky business if you are looking at it as an investment. So this is – I'm probably very naive in this whole area. Why would someone want to use Bitcoin instead of United States currency? What's the advantage of using it? Well, if you go I, – I talked to a lawyer who travels overseas a lot, and she doesn't have to worry about any currency exchange. Okay. Uh, whatever she's got, she just pays with her phone. Yeah. Uh, it's very convenient. She doesn't have to worry about being robbed of money. I can money. see that one. So, you know and, – and she says that hotels in Europe take it. In some cases, you know. Okay. Well, all right. I'm I'm just old fashioned. I guess I just like money. And I do. It gives me a comfort <laughs> too having it in my pocket. I like to I like to feel it and look at it. Uh, you remember the comic book uh, Donald Duck? He had Uncle Uncle Scrooge, and he used I like to, to smell it. Yeah, he likes the. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, and I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> so uh, any other scams that are going on that uh, you think are uh, bothering people. We always have weather-related uh, when we have well, bad yeah, weather. Charity scams. Yeah. Um, the crooks have pictures of floods and earthquakes and all kinds of disasters. And uh, I always tell people, give to where you see your money going. If you want to give to some overseas project, just about every church denomination around uh, has overseas operations that do humanitarian work. Um, uh, you know, we still have... Uh, people calling about um, uh, giving money. A lot of them are robo or automated calls. And now some of the voice uh, mechanisms, you really feel like you're talking to a live person. Uh, you know, it used to be you'd talk and say something, and the person would keep on talking so yeah. you know that it was a machine talking to you. But now there's some very sophisticated machine work out there that really makes it seem like it's a live person talking to you. They're just trying to get your social, sec- trying to get your credit card number. Uh, they're, they'll be very willing to take that that charge that you'll give them. But once you give out your credit card number to this unknown entity, that's risky business. Yeah. Our, uh, I, I heard a report yesterday on WPTF News about face recognition as a possible area that could be misused. Uh, because there's great, uh, you know, there's some benefits of face recognition. For example, entry into a building and, and not having to show security and mm-hmm. and uh, airports and such. But also, there's the possibility that uh, employers or other people could follow someone and uh, probably uh, uh, take advantage of knowing where they are and what they're doing. That is absolutely correct. So, uh, employer, yeah. your upset spouse. Yeah. <laughs> on and on. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, are we going to get ahead of that game as far as laws and, and uh, uh, both on the congressional level and state level? And, of course, you, you've got the responsibility if, if there are some laws of enforcing it. Uh, where, where are we going with that face recognition thing? Well, I think Congress is looking at some of this stuff. I, I do not know if the General Assembly is. I expect a group known as the Conference CSL, Conference of State Legislators, who have people that are uh, public policy wonks uh, begin to look at these things, and they do suggest model legislation for legislators. They are the people that look out into the future more so than 
individual legislators, although frequently there are individual legislators that will pick up a cause and really sink their teeth into it and become the expert on that for the state. But I don't see anybody who has uh, indicated um, at the General Assembly about that issue, although I'm not you know, I'm not in all the conversations down there. Well, apparently we are much closer to it as a form of having it work than we are in thinking about it from a point of view of either uh, management well, or uh, – Frequently or, technology yeah, yeah. and policy follow behind. I mean, that's yeah, the same thing yeah. with cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, we don't have a good U.S. policy on it. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm in favor of some of these uh, things. I am so ready to have uh, my thumbprint be my passcode – I am so tired of changing passcodes and forgetting them and getting in trouble and no. getting locked out. I am so ready to have that. Well, I've always wanted to have a uniform passcode law where you can have <laughs> – because, you know, some people will say you got to have one capitalized letter and, and so many characters and so forth, and, and uh, you can't remember them all. That's correct. Uh, or at least I can. I can't. Uh, and so then you're not supposed that's to write them down. I don't know how many others are out there that are saying the same thing. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, getting back to the General Assembly, uh, uh, the difference between federal legislation and uh, state government from time to time overlap and conflict. Who do you think should lead the way? Uh, it kind of doesn't matter what I think. The federal government <laughs> leads the way. Um, you know, the basic principle is that federal law trumps state law. Uh, unless the state law is stronger. Uh, the federal government sometimes uh, does preemption statutes and kind of uh, moves the state out of it totally. Uh, I think those are, are pretty harsh, and I'm hoping we don't have too many of those. Um, but it, it's confusing to people. It's confusing to those of us who have to administer laws. Sometimes we find laws that are in, in conflict, or it appears they're in conflict with each other. Um, you know, even criminal law, you can be charged something criminally here, and then the feds can come back and charge the federal law that arises from the same situation, but it's slightly different than what the state law is. And um, you have the issue of double jeopardy, but sometimes the feds can go ahead with it. Well, we've got uh, a couple of other issues we want to talk about, and uh, we are talking, of course, with Elaine Marshall, the Secretary of State of North Carolina, a job she's been in since 1996. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a recent trip you've made and a new partnership. And we're going to talk about uh, sort of reviewing again um, some of the other things we've talked about. And we'll do all of that when we return with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Wow. 
wow, that's a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> Little one at home. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Childproofing your home, childproofing your yard, childproofing your in-laws' home and yard. Of all the things you can read to keep your child safe, the most important is attached to their car seat. Read the instruction manual and use the latch system. It makes it easier to be sure your child's car seat is installed correctly. Learn more at safercar.gov. Anchor, tether, latch. The next generation of child safety. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Elaine Marshall. The uh, Honorable Elaine Marshall is the North Carolina Secretary of State. I'd like to remind you this program comes in two different versions. We have a hour version that's carried on a number of stations, and then we have a half-hour version. So those of you who are getting the half-hour version are hearing one half of the pearls of wisdom that uh, Elaine Marshall is sharing with us. And if you'd like to hear the other half of those, you can go online to carolinadeasemakers.com and do just that. Uh, and, of course, if you'd like to share the entire broadcast with a friend, the actual time of the hour version is 45 minutes. The actual time of the half hour as far as content and the, the actual version of the half hour broadcast is actually 23 minutes or thereabouts. So you can, can I jump that. in with a pearl of wisdom? You can turn in, jump in with a pearl if of wisdom. We love wants, pearls of wisdom. If somebody wants to reach us online, it is sosnc.gov. Real simple. SOSNC.gov. It's Secretary of State, North Carolina, and one dot in the whole thing. If they want to reach our complaint line for investments and all, it's 1 800 688 4507. 1 800 688 4507. And we'll repeat those numbers again one more okay, time good. in case somebody good, wants good. to. Uh, write them down. Yeah, forms for complaints are up online, and even if you call, you're going to have to send us something. So, really, it'd be just better to go to the internet and get the forms off, and uh, go ahead and 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 fill that out, and then send it on in and call. And after that, so we're going to have to have something written, basically. So you've had a recent trip and a new partnership. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I have just returned from the Republic of Moldova. We've been in this partnership since 1999. But we just signed a five-year renewal of it that will carry it on for five more years. Uh, but we've celebrated the 20th anniversary here the last weekend in April, and uh, a delegation of 15 uh, folks, 14 North Carolinians and one from Washington, D.C., uh, went over to Moldova in mid-May, and we celebrated there. Uh, Governor uh, Cooper signed the uh, extension uh, agreement here. And uh, I carried it over, and uh, the prime minister signed it there, and, and the foreign minister and I are the two counterparts for leading this delegation or the partnership, and it's been uh, quite beneficial. This is something that grew out of the State Department and the military uh, Department of Defense. Uh, after the Soviet Union broke up, a lot of small independent uh, countries were uh, formed, uh, Moldova uh, did not get a very good shake in life. They were a parliamentary democracy before the Soviets took them over, but the Soviets kept the thumb on them, and they no longer have access to the Black Sea, and they don't really have a whole lot of uh, uh, mineral resources. They have good agriculture land, uh, but uh, they sit right between Romania and Ukraine, and with what happened in Ukraine about two or three years ago, they constantly are concerned uh, because there are some Russian separatists in Moldova um, that, you know, uh, bully around every once in a while, and Russia interferes in elections there. And so um, 
keeping democracy alive and the hope of the people is very, very important. It's important to North Carolina for America to have friends, and Moldova clearly is one. And the Moldovan ambassador is coming uh, Sunday of this week. So he, he's a brand-new ambassador, and he's uh, wanting to learn more about the partnership. And ambassador after ambassador has called this the finest partnership they've ever seen because it's lasted 20 years. Well, that, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting how uh, the uh, I, I have a uh, globe that I found that I had back in 1960, and I looked at the map, uh, and countries have just disappeared, and new countries have— uh, That's correct. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible how much this happens. You— uh, it happens uh, so rapidly that it's sort of hard to figure out who's where and what's what. Well, and also countries that are still there, they change names. I mean, a lot of the Chinese yeah, cities yeah. have changed. A lot of the Indian cities have changed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to stay up to date. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so um, here's another question I've been wanting to ask you. When someone starts a business and they have a slogan or a motto that is a part of their business, mm-hmm. uh, we have things called trademarks, and they can be registered and protected. What is the difference in a trademark and a copyright and all those sort of things from your point of view? Well, a copyright uh, relates more to music and written things, books, uh, magazine articles, those kind of things. Uh, The whole group of intellectual property is the way that the person who created that intellectual property can attempt to protect it from being usurped, being counterfeited, being plagiarized. Uh, Trademarks are a much broader category than the the copyright. Uh, Trademark can be about anything. It can be a little drawing. It can be a slogan. It can be a logo and... um, you can, you can get them at the state level. You also can get them at the federal level. And if a company is not going to do much beyond North Carolina, then state-level protection is probably adequate for them. It's also cheaper, and you can get it faster than processing something through the federal uh, PTO office. Uh, some folks have told me a North Carolina trademark isn't worth anything, and I'm, I want to object and say that's not exactly true. Number one, it puts a stake in the ground for when you have the entitlement to use that for yourself so that you can fend off somebody who tries to counterfeit it. It also, uh, banks will look at it and they'll like assign a value to goodwill. They will assign a value to uh, this protected item uh, on, on a balance sheet. So that would help you. Uh, the biggest help for a lot of local people is, uh, let's say you've got a, a Tony's Pizza restaurant and you've got an employee that's been a great employee, but they're deciding they've made a profit for you and they want to do it for themselves. If you don't protect that name, they can go next door or across town and open up Tony's Pizza thinking that it's yours and a, you know kind of stealing your reputation yeah. uh, over there. And so that first Tony's Pizza can do a cease and desist action so that that disgruntled employee uh, can't you can't misappropriate that name? So it's got a lot of good value, um, and uh, it's it's a way that we can distinguish and we can protect under our criminal laws. And the Secretary of State's office can protect against counterfeiters, not just a state mark, but any mark whatsoever. In fact, most of our uh, mark work was with is with brands everybody knows: Microsoft, Adidas, Ray Ban sunglasses, mm-hmm. medicines, on and on and on. What is crowdfunding? Crowdfunding is a new type of investment opportunity for small businesses with small investors uh, that can be done online or it can be done just in their place of business. 
uh, go back to the pizza shop example, if they want to put a new oven in there and it's going to cost, you know, $20,000 and they want to raise $20,000 from their customers, they can sell an interest in the business uh, to get that um, uh, new item in, in the store. Um, it can go up to $2 million. It's a way to save that business costs in doing an offering. Uh, it also, you know, we make sure that it's not a Ponzi scheme. They can't spend the money until a certain amount has been uh, reached in escrow. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a cheaper way to raise some money. It's not for everybody. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be great. It hadn't taken off anywhere in any state like a house of fire at all. Um, because a lot of business owners don't want to see their investors every week yeah. <laughs> coming into the shop. Uh, yes, I can imagine that would be uh, tough when your investors are also your customers. That's right. Uh, and ex- probably expect a discount or something of that Well, nature. I mean, <laughs> it, it would be wise to give them a little discount in the first place, yeah. but their advice is going to come in also. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if someone wants information about crowdfunding, they can go S-O-S-N-C. to your SOSNC.gov. So let's go over those names. Uh, those uh, uh, The you- website is SOSNC.gov, and if you look at the top, it'll say, I want to, and then you can click on that and see different things. Uh, or there's an alpha a, a to Z. You can go to that and put in what you want to, to learn about. So um, there's a lot of good tips up there about uh, fraud, business identity fraud, which we see uh, happening here in this state. So it's an awful lot of good advice up there for business owners and the professionals that deal with businesses. SOSNC.gov. A lot of people will try .com, and that's not going to get it there. That's right. Yeah. SOSNC.gov. Well, um, uh, Honorable Secretary, uh, thank you so much for being with us and sharing all this information. Uh, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. The program has been produced by Jason Cog, who promises me that he will have another equally interesting guest here next week. So to next week, same time, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.